Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. This week's Systematic and all of our shows at ESN over the next week are brought to you by our first ever indie network sponsor, Sketch Party TV for iOS. Sketch Party TV is a lot of fun, and it's a fast drawing and guessing game that plays a lot like Pictionary. It was actually one of my top three picks on Systematic back when the first version came out. It's perfect for parties, finding something to do with family over the holidays that doesn't involve shouting matches or politics. Uh, it's great for special occasions, game nights, you name it. Go to sketchparty.tv ESN to learn more. Support the show by supporting indie developer Matt Braun and buying his app. Hey, it's only $3.99. If you are an indie that wants to support ESN, just get in touch with us through our contact form. This is episode 123 with Lex Friedman. He's a EVP of sales and development at the Midroll Ad Network, a writer and a very prolific podcaster. How's it going, Lex? I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you doing? I am. Um, I'm, I'm really frazzled. Alarms aren't going <laughs> off today. And I apparently locked myself in this office with a cat. But it's a quiet cat, so hopefully it'll be fine. <laughs> hey, cats can make good podcast guests. <laughs> Mine, mine have been on the podcast before, uh, not I by believe. choice, but <laughs> not by either of our choices, just getting <laughs> locked in my office. Um, so uh, you mentioned in your notes earlier that you are in love with your electric car, and I am someone who would really love to switch to an electric car. So what kind did you get? Uh, I decided that a Tesla was out of my uh, bank account range for the time being. They're just they're still pretty pricey, and I've never I've never been one to buy super fancy cars. So I instead got the Nissan Leaf. The Nissan Leaf. I like yeah. Nissan, but I don't know anything about the Leaf. What are the uh, What are the perks? This was my uh, my first Nissan. I was always a Honda guy before. Um, the Leaf gets about. 90 something miles on its range that's for the 2015 mile uh the 2015 model and if you if you do more city driving it gets a little further and if you do more highway driving it gets a little less because when you're in the city driving you can do a regenerative braking all right where you're recharging the battery uh, but i wanted to get a plug-in only i didn't want to get a hybrid and uh so the it's got lots and lots of fancy doohickeys on the inside uh and maybe all modern cars do but i get the sense that with these electric cars they really assume that it's going to be early adopter-ish tech-loving people so it's it's just got lots of cool smarts on the inside and my my favorite feature besides the lack of a gasoline engine is the heated steering wheel i never before had a car with a heated steering wheel i've never had one that worked this one, both the heated seats and it actually even has heated rear seats, uh, but the heated seats and the heated steering wheel get hot very quickly. And everybody who, lots of people who know me locally want to have a ride in an electric car because it's different. And if they turn on that seat heater, they immediately say, wow, that gets hot very quickly. And indeed it does. That's, yeah, that sounds like fun. My, I, I currently drive a 12 year old Audi TT and wow. uh, it's extremely sparse on the inside. And I put a Bluetooth stereo in it, and that's about the coolest thing inside of it. And it has heated seats, but they take almost 10 minutes to even start warming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like all of that sounds very appealing to me. And I, too, given the uh, the financial ability, would default to a Tesla. Yes. But, yeah, that sounds good. I also like the um, uh, what, the 500e uh, Fiat 500e. Oh, yeah. But I haven't driven one yet, and they're only available in California. 
Exactly. And I saw uh, the actor Josh Molina tweeted about his love for his. And I was like, well, maybe I should consider that instead of The Leaf. And then I saw that it was only available in California. And so that got crossed off my list. Um, and I think, by the way, that the reason that the, heat, the seat heats up so quickly, uh, and the steering wheel does too, is because you the car warns you, basically, you can get X more miles, typically somewhere between five and eight, if you turn off the climate control. So the idea is perhaps we can help you warm up in these lower power consuming ways, the heated seats and steering wheel, um, if you really need to conserve in a pinch. So I think they're hoping that you can fall back on that if you need to conserve extra power. Interesting. If you if you run out of electricity on a trip, is there like a service you can call that brings a like big battery out and it's um actually Mophie makes one. That's not true. Uh so <laughs> um there are companies that make these kind of portable generator type devices that can recharge your car. Um too big for you to carry around with you at all times. I think typically you're gonna get a tow truck sent and they're gonna take you to a place with an outlet. That would be embarrassing. Yeah. Just because most <laughs> tow truck drivers probably aren't really into electric cars to begin with. I would imagine not. <laughs> and it's um I I had tweeted a couple weeks ago about a, a drive I did. And the reason by the way I was able to get the electric car is because, you know, I sold my 2006 Accord that had I had bought new in 06 and it had 36,000 miles on it when I sold it. I just don't drive that much. Since I've had the electric car, I just want to drive all the time because it's fun. And so I had a business meeting that I had to go to that was about 40 miles away. And I have about a 90-mile range. So I drove there, didn't charge while I was there, and drove back. And by the end, the car was like, you know, you're putting yourself in danger here. Here's a map with the nearest charging stations. What are you doing? Uh, and uh, so somebody else sent me a video of a guy, I think in – in Australia, maybe in England, somewhere where they have funny accents. And he said this video, he's driving around his leaf, which was like an earlier year model past the point of empty because he wanted to see what happens when it actually runs out. And just like your gas tank can go on E and you still have a few miles sure. left. He got about seven or eight miles after, uh, after the meter ran red zero miles left. What that's more than likely because they set the gauge, uh, such that you have a little wiggle room. How is exactly. the like the steering in the leaf? Do you have is there slop on the steering wheel? Is everything super responsive? So I'm I wouldn't call myself a car expert by any stretch, but it feels good to me. Um, it doesn't feel any looser than any of the Hondas I've driven, Accords and Civics. Sure. Um, we have a minivan also, an Odyssey, and it, it, it feels very responsive to me in that respect. It also has, it, it, because of the electric powering, it has maximum torque from you know one mile an hour on. Uh, so it, it feels good. It feels like you have full control of the car and that the car is responding to what you want it to do. That sounds very enticing to me. Because I don't, I don't drive much either. I drive into town and back home most of the time. I don't yeah. commute anywhere. And now I've, I've opened myself up to this world where there's just a vibrant, and of course you'd expect it, you just wouldn't know it unless you were in it, but there's this vibrant social community of electric car owners. So there's an app called Plug Share where people report on publicly available charging stations. And so you know, well, if you're going to this airport, if you park on the fifth floor, even though there's no official charging station, there's outlets in the middle row of parking spots, that nice. kind of thing. So nice. everywhere I go now, if, I'm, if I feel like I would want to charge the car midway through, I can, I can do that. 
Is there like a secret sign or handshake for electric car owners? <laughs> um, there are some homeowners, and I've actually done this myself now, who on the PlugShare app will list their home charging stations. And so they give you the, their number and they'll say, call uh, during normal working hours or call before this time and I can hook you up with my charger if you need a little extra help. Wow. That's a community. Yeah. Awesome. And the car connects to my phone. <laughs> the car has its own built-in 2G internet connection from AT&T. What? So it'll text me when its charging is full. Um, it'll, I can use an app that Nissan has, a really crappy app, but it works, to tell it, hey, why don't you turn on the climate control now? Because if it's plugged in and charging, it's better to get the car warm then so that you're using less electricity when you start driving. Or you can tell it, hey, I'm going to be leaving at 8 in the morning, so why don't you warm it up at 745 and it'll do that for you. So, and you can wow. do that all from the phone, which is pretty fun. Wow, all I have is an automatic. Have you ever seen those? I had to sell mine because it doesn't work with electric cars. Ah, right. Yeah, I, I've, I've gotten to a point where I take pride in my low scores. So I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm playing it like golf, just shoot the moon, trying for a 0%. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I had the automatic and I loved it. Um, but I always got hundreds. So when I said that to, to wow. Dan Frakes, who I think has been on your show before, yeah. he was saying, also, great job, Grandpa. Because he was saying how it improved <laughs> his driving and how he got better and better. I'm like, no, it's just, it just so happens that I was already a great driver. That's amazing. I got a speeding ticket early on in my driving career. And ever since then, I've driven really safely. <laughs> uh, I hated getting that ticket. I got a huge ticket early on. And uh, I called the court and I was going to... Uh, what do you call it? Like protest, uh, yep. deny guilt. Um, and, uh, and they said they didn't have it on file and I was free to go. <laughs> and I've just been reckless ever since then. <laughs> See, I was driving back to college and I got pulled over and the ticket said I was in the, the left lane where I was in the middle lane. I was only in the left lane after he pulled me over. And he said I was doing like 73. And at the time I was driving a Saturn that I don't think could even go 73. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he had a different car in mind. Um, but, and I did contest it and like it got dropped down, but I was still like, well, this is never, I'm never giving anybody even the suspicion that I should be pulled over ever again. I am a grandpa, by the way, it was true. Yeah, well, you, you have kids. I'm thinking perspective <laughs> changes, right? That's right. All right. Well, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break and then I want to talk about your podcasting life. Sure. I'm happy to have Backblaze Computer Backup Software as a sponsor this week. Uh, you can support the show by just going to backblaze.com slash systematic and signing up for the two-week trial. And if you like it, uh, it's just $5 a month for secure, unthrottled, and completely unlimited storage. Uh, you can set Backblaze up to run automatically or schedule it for specific times, whatever works best for you. And they hang on to 30 days of past file revisions. There are Backblaze apps for iOS and Android, so you can access all of your backed up files anywhere you have an internet connection and your iOS or Android device. Even if you just need to, uh, remote access to a file, it's just right there without having to jump through hoops or one app playing nice with three others. Again, just visit backblaze.com slash systematic, sign up for the two-week trial, and start doing the five bucks a month, and I promise you won't regret it. Uh, they've got great customer support, too, in case you ever need help. So thanks to Backblaze for supporting Systematic and ESN. All right, so you are uh, you work in ad sales uh, primarily for podcast adver uh, advertising, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, mid-roll reps, 175 shows, 170 of them are 
podcasts and then the rest are videos or we make a special carve out exception for Federico Vitici on Max Stories because we like him so much. Because he's awesome. Yeah. I love Federico. Um, yeah. Okay. So you kind of have your finger on the pulse of the ad world. I have to ask you something about that. Please. Has there been a decline in interest from advertisers over the last year or two? Uh, no, just the opposite. Um, Serial especially has been very, very good um, more recently in bringing more awareness to it. But uh, Midrolls, it's a privately held company, so I won't go too specific. Sure. But it's, the growth is obscene. Um, Q4 2014, so this current quarter that we're in right now, our ad sales revenue is more than double what it was in the year ago quarter. And uh, our year, 2014 overall, is more than double what we did last year. And we think we're going to do that again next year. So it's a lot of growth. Wow. That is, that is the opposite of what I've been told by, <laughs> yeah. by, by certain entities. I, um, you know, it's, I think that what's happening is, is that the industry is growing up. And, uh, you know... <laughs> They're, they're looking for reach, a lot of podcast advertisers, the same way that all advertisers are, right? It's, well, yeah. There's certainly something to say for what's the quality of the audience and who's listening, and that's important. But you know, Coca-Cola is not paying attention to a podcast with 4,000 downloads a week. Coca-Cola is looking for 4 million. Right. <laughs> um, and so as we've been able to both grow the sizes of individual shows and then grow the size of the network overall, we've been having some increasing success really. Uh, bringing more advertisers into the pool and, and getting more advertisers uh, to spend more too. Have you ever, and, and the answer is probably yes, and I'll feel stupid for asking, but have you ever written about ways to increase listenership for podcasts? Uh, I think I did. Um, I, on my personal blog, I once wrote something, I think early on in my career at Midroll, uh, just about how to make your podcast more appealing to advertisers. And the the easy answer is to grow the audience. And to me, the, the key advice is really just to make it sound good. Um, you know, it's, it has to be highly listenable. Um, if the show is hard to listen to, you're not going to grow more listeners, even if the content's great. I think the content's really important, but it's audio. And if it sounds crappy, then people aren't going to want to listen. Okay. Fair enough. Um, so you do a lot of your own podcasting. Too how, many. How many podcasts do you have? I do a daily podcast five days a week called Your Daily Lex. I uh, co-host a tech-focused podcast with Dan Morin and John Maltz called The Rebound. And I co-host a fatherhood podcast also with John Maltz and also with uh, John Armstrong called uh, Turning This Car Around. Yeah, the fatherhood. I haven't listened to anybody's podcasts, really. If you total up, If you total up the number of podcasts that exist... And the number of episodes of anything I've ever listened to, it's a, it's a percent of a percent. So I'm curious about your fatherhood, your Turn Around the Car podcast. Yes. What, what do you talk about? So turning this car around, let's see. We, we try to have a theme for each episode. So one week it might be bedtimes and how you deal with the bedtime process and what the bedtime is and how your kids fight and what your response is. Uh, one episode is about food and how you get your kids to eat things and do you make separate dinners or not. And then we've talked about, you know, friendship and school and vacations and traveling with kids and holidays with kids. So it's really, 
I think like a lot of themed podcasts where there is a, a center topic that things are meant to focus on, we allow ourselves to go on tangents. My uh, electric car has definitely taken up a portion of an episode there, even though it was, you know, barely related. Um, but we, we start from a point of just talking about something that affects people with kids and our different approaches to them. And what's really interesting is uh, I have three kids. Uh, John Armstrong has two kids and, uh, he's divorced from his wife. So he has joint custody where they, you know, they obviously take turns and then he's got a girlfriend with two kids who he lives with. And then, uh, John Maltz has one son, uh, who he adopted when the son was obviously very young. So it's three very different kind of takes on parenting. And so you get a lot of different perspectives. That sounds great. I, uh, I started my podcast overtired with Christina Warren. Yes. And, uh, it's the first podcast that I've done or listened to that has absolutely no theme per episode. And I'm sure there are tons of them out there, but it was, it still is so much fun to just start without any ground. I like, um, like systematic. I've always started with some kind of central, uh, one to three themes that I want to cover and then let it grow, grow organically from there. Yep. Overtired. I'm really having a blast just doing. It's so all over the place, which is how I think anyway. I uh, I know what you mean. Just on the day we're recording this, I uh, I recorded your daily lex where I scripted it first. Where normally I don't. Normally I just start and I talk for approximately five minutes and then I stop. And I was thinking about the success of shows like Serial and Startup and Reply All, where. Uh, you know, there are some off the cuff moments, but where they're mostly very scripted and I wanted to see what my show would sound like that way. And the answer is weird, by the way, <laughs> sounds weird when I do it, but I wanted to try it and see what it's like. And that's, that's basically the polar opposite of what you're doing on overtired. Yeah, it totally is. I have no idea what's going to happen when I pick up the phone. <laughs> I, I, I like it. I like system- yeah. systematic and overtired are just so different for me. Yes. Um, but enough about my podcasts. Um, <laughs> Yes, and then you you were saying your daily Lex is it's just a five minute podcast, yeah, five times a week, it, exactly. I do it every day, um, except the days that I don't do it, and, and yeah, it's it's the average length is five minutes, sometimes a little shorter, sometimes a little longer, but I'm aiming for five minutes each day, and it's just about anything. Do you advertise on that show? Um. Once I had an ad campaign for a week or so that came out of trade when uh, a friend of mine at Igloo Software did me a favor and I said, how can I ever repay you? And as soon as I asked it, I knew that that was a huge mistake because he was going <laughs> to say, give me free ads. And that's exactly what he said. Um, but we had some fun with it on uh, on the show. But I I very intentionally don't watch the download numbers consistently. I know now it's doing about 2,500 downloads a day, which is uh, great for me. Very small and modern podcasting world. Um but in my mind, not enough to really sell. And I, I don't know where to put ads in a five-minute show. That sure. Yeah, that was kind of what I was curious about. Is it something you just do as a labor of love and to build your own kind of your name out there? Yeah, you know, it's. I started the show after um, my time on Unprofessional ended, which was a podcast I had done with uh, Dave Wiskus for a while. Right. And when that... When I left that show, mostly because, you know, I didn't feel like I could keep bringing stuff to it. And so Dave kept it going for a little while uh, with another friend of ours, uh, Jamie. And 
when I, when I left it, I was like, boy, I don't have any podcasts out there and I love podcasts so much. What could I do? And I wanted to see, could I do 100 episodes of a daily show? Now I've done well over 100 episodes and it's kind of just for fun and the people who listen seem to really like it, which is great. Um, I enjoy doing it. My kids have guessed it on it a few times, um, but it's, uh, it's definitely a labor of love and it's just to, I think it's, I think it's very helpful and healthful for me as somebody who works for podcasters all day to make sure I'm deep in it myself. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and it would also make sense to listen to a lot of podcasts. So what are your favorites? So I'm a, I'm a tiny bit of a homer in that most of the shows I'll say that I listen to are ones that I also sell ads for, but <laughs> I am a big fan of cereal, which I do not sell ads for. Um, I don't think we're going to find out. Have you listened to Serial yet? I haven't, but it's on my radar. I, I, uh, well, I'm not spoiling anything to say. I don't think we're going to hear who did it, and I think that's okay, because who could know? Um, of shows that I sell that I like, um, Startup and Reply All, which are both from Gimlet Media, so it's a bunch of people who left public radio, Alex Bloomberg, chief among them, and now are doing Startup as a show, chronicling the launch of his podcast creation business, and... Um, Reply All is the hosts who formerly hosted a show called TLDR on WNYC. And it's just about internet culture. And those are tight 12 or 13 minute episodes. And then there's a, I love Comedy Bang Bang, which is a show from Earwolf, yeah. which we own and Wait, operate. There's a, there's a podcast for Comedy Bang Bang? The podcast came first. The show came, uh, they got the TV deal because the podcast was so big and so beloved. Nice. I like the TV show. I like the TV. You'll have to check it out. It is just so funny. There was an, I mean, it's so funny. I was listening to it on an airplane just a day or two ago, uh, convulsing with laughter in my seat to the annoyance of the passengers around me, and I couldn't help it. Um, we, the company I work for, also recently launched another network called Wolf Pop. So Earwolf is comedy shows that we run, and then Wolf Pop is popular culture shows, so like TV, movies, books, and we have a show called I Was There Too hosted by a comedian named Mac Orley, and he basically finds people who were in key pivotal scenes in popular films, but who are not famous people necessarily, and they talk about being there on set during the filming of those scenes. So they had the mom who was pushing the stroller uh, in that... Um, uh, now I'm going to lose the name of the movie in my head for a second. Um, the, the stroller that falls down the, the staircase... Um, in a, uh, a beloved... Oh, The Untouchables. That's the movie. Have you ever seen The Untouchables? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a, a woman pushing a stroller and there's this big scene where there's going to be a shootout and the stroller's going to fall down this giant column of stairs in the train station. And so he interviews the woman who played uh, that mother. <laughs> um, and uh, he did an episode with Greg Proops who was in uh, Star Wars I'm episode I'm a huge one. Proops fan, yeah. Yeah. And so it's fun. It's a good show. And that does sound cool. Matt Gorley is so funny a lot of times when i listen to comedy podcasts i'm like you know if i were on that podcast i could do a great job too i could be funny on that show i think <laughs> but then i listen i was there too and matt gorley is so like preternaturally funny that i'm like well he does that better than i ever could and so i enjoy that that's great i really like the idea of having such a bizarre focused topic you know like i'm t i'm picking very specific types of people from a very specific kind of media i i like that that could be yeah I should focus more. Well, that's true. I think my there's whole room life, for though. both kinds of shows, but I know <laughs> what you mean. All right. Well, um, let's see. I've done one sponsor break, and I think I have two this week, so I'm going to pause here for one more. Let's do it. 
I'm also very happy to have my good friend Smile Software supporting the show this week. They are the makers of some of my most used apps. And this week they're supporting me with PDF Pen Scan Plus. It's a complete mobile scanning and OCR app. And uh, with one touch, you can scan directly from your iPhone or iPad camera. And you can scan multiple images into a single document, detect the page edges, automatically crop and scan, um, and then use OCR, which is optical character recognition, to convert those scans into searchable PDFs. If you're, uh, if you're concerned about privacy like we all should be these days, OCR is performed in the app and there's nothing sent out to a cloud service. You can preview and copy text recognized by the OCR into any application you need to. It's text. And then automatically upload your scans to Dropbox and iCloud. Uh, so you can upload things like receipts and documents right away to where they're going to live ultimately. There are a few new features in PDF Pen Scan Plus version 1.5 uh, and that improves the camera layout, adds image stabilization, and supports iCloud Drive. Smile did a blog post on scanning screen captures that's worth a look. Uh, it'll be in the show notes at esn.fm slash systematic slash 123. If you'd like to support Systematic, visit smilesoftware.com slash systematic to learn more about PDF Pen Scan Plus. Thanks to Smile, one of ESN's founding sponsors, for supporting Systematic and all of our shows at esn.fm. And that brings us to our top three picks. I'm going to let you start. All right. I, I have given this a lot of thought, and I can't promise that any of my answers are super original, but my, my first pick, uh, do I give you all three now, or am I going to nope, start with just one? one? I'm going with Crossy Road. Crossy Road? What is that? You haven't heard of Crossy Road? I, I hear very little. I'm about to change your life, Brett. Awesome. Uh, it is a free slash, not even freemium, although you can pay, but it's a free game in the App Store. Um, it is a modern take on Frogger. Oh, and fun. It is hilarious, and it is brilliantly implemented. The name comes from uh, Flappy Bird, I guess, or some influence comes from there. But it's a game where it's endless play, uh, you can get very high scores over time, and it's just, it's hilariously fun. You just go and go and go as far on the road as you can until eventually at some point you will die because you'll be hit by a truck or you'll fall into the water or something else horrible will happen to you. Um, but it is, I was, I just recorded earlier today an episode of The Rebound where we were talking about Crossy Road, and it's, uh, it's crazy how long, you know, it's, there are all kinds of those, you know, addictive games and that you play endlessly and people get obsessed with. And this one for me feels more replayable than all of them where are, I just can play it forever. Are there levels or you pretty much always start from the same spot and just see how you far you You always can start get. from the same spot and it's algorithmically generated landscapes. So you'll have some different, sure. um, you know, roads and grass and lakes and such to cross and train tracks. And it's, it's really fun. I, uh, it's really fun. I, I would compare that style. I don't know the name for that, like genre. It's not really a runner, but, um, tiny wings. You ever play that? Yeah. I, I yeah. love that because you always start from the same point and like, you just get better and better as you go. This looks yeah. awesome. I got to tell you with tiny wings i really like that game and i have gotten worse over time with most games i feel like you get better the more you play and i still love and enjoy tiny wings but i can't get the scores i used to get i don't know what's wrong with me for me if i if i put something down if i put a game like that down for a couple months the next time i open it i beat my high score 90 percent of the time i gotta try that <laughs> i don't know why 
All right. Um, well, my first pick is an app of sorts, an app slash service called Fetching, and you can find it at fetching.io. And it's reminiscent of uh, an app that used to be well-maintained called um, History Hound. And it watches your browsers and records the full text of every page you visit. And you can filter that and you can have like black blacklisted URLs and things So for privacy. But basically, once you've been browsing for a few days, anytime you think of something you wish you had bookmarked and now can't find... You can just type in any words from it, and it will filter your long list of every website you visited and help you wow. get back to where you've been. And it, it's infinite. You just keep keep it running while you browse, and you always have your uh, your history available with full text search. Say the name one more time. Fetching. Fetching. Makes sense. I get it. That's really cool. And you can run it locally, or you can run like a hosted version. I haven't tried the hosted version, but I run wow. it locally, and I'm loving it. That's really, really cool. Does it need, does it do like JavaScript injection on the page or is it, how it, is it doing? It runs a plugin that yeah, I believe uh, in each browser's different uh, architecture, it's basically injecting a recorder in the page. Wow. But I haven't seen any performance hits from it. I'm doing it. <laughs> you can even go through your list and tag historically. Like you can go find find a site, give it a tag, and then make it easier to search in the future. I just wish it had like a penboard bookmarking option. Yeah, that would be awesome. But I've requested that, and they didn't say no. So maybe it's really cool. All right. So what's your second pick? My second pick. Um, so I was. I have a coworker. I, I, I made a joke about Mophie before. I almost always keep my phone, which is currently a 5S, in a battery case um, because I use my phone a lot and I don't want it to run out of power. But I have a colleague who always carries around a Jackery, and uh, they're at jackery.com. And it's, there's many companies that make these things, but it's a pocket-sized charger. Um, and so I, I'm part of a couple different white elephants and secret Santa things this year. And so I bought a couple of these to, to give out because they're pretty great. And it's, you know, just a device that's got a big battery in there. They make some that go up to really huge sizes. There's a 6,000 milliamp hour one and a 9,600 milliamp hour one. So even the smaller ones can charge a phone one and a half or two times. And they really do just fit in your pocket. You put whatever USB device in there that you want to charge it up and, of all the different things out there that do this, these portable recharging doohickeys, it's my favorite. Um, I like the way it looks. I like the way it feels in hand. I had to buy an extra one to you. <laughs> I had to buy an extra one because I was so excited about other people I was going to be giving them to that I wanted one for myself. So now I have one too. They, wow. The, for their size, I'm looking, at, I'm looking at it on Amazon and a 3200 milliamp hour power pack is 20 bucks. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, it's really good. They're really affordable. I actually, I had a $30 limit for some of these. So I got the $30 one, which is 6000 And it's, I mean, they're great. Wow. They really work. And How big is the 6000 I mean, physically. Um, let me see. I'm, I'm trying it, to find it. Oh, here it is. It's, it's just oh, a little wider. Yeah. Nice. It's, it's just under one inch by four inches by two inches. So it's, you know, it's, it's going to fit. It's like a, an elongated Tic Tac box. Man. Yeah, I, I own a lot of batteries because I had my five for a few years, and it got yeah. to a point where it would it would live for about half an hour on a full charge, and then take an hour and a half to recharge. 
So I just gotcha. pretty much just carried a battery with me. They've been big and clunky, and this is much better looking. Awesome. All right. Um, let me fix my mistype and my notes. All right. My second pick is also hardware. It's uh, the JBL Pulse, and it's a Bluetooth speaker that we happened to win. My wife happened to win randomly in a contest. It's a $200 speaker, which is a pretty good prize for like a college job fair or something. Um, I don't remember, but it has LEDs wrapped around it. It looks ah. like a bug zapper kind of. It's, <laughs> it does. it's I think it does. maybe eight inches tall and uh, four inch circumference. I don't know. No, probably eight inch circumference. But it you can program the lights, and they respond to the music. And when you change the volume, it the whole thing becomes like a volume indicator, and the light grows up from the bottom. And you can have it do dance moods and. Uh, uh, like fog modes and weird binary bit map modes. Um, and it connects, you can program it all through an iPhone, probably an Android too, but I wouldn't know. And it's super loud, not great full dynamic range, but for something to play like music in the bedroom or at a picnic, it's been really great. I'm really impressed with it. I used to review a lot of speakers for Macworld when I was there, and I reviewed a ton of JBL. And they typically have, like you said, like maybe not amazing sound, but certainly good enough for most uses. It's loud enough that I can put it on the sh- on the counter in the bathroom and take a shower and hear everything. That's awesome. And wouldn't that's one of those times where volume is more important than audio yeah. range? <laughs> I'm just impressed. That I, I always get nervous putting speakers in the bathroom when I shower. Like I'm worried about the steam and everything. Yeah, I I don't have common sense. You live dangerously. It's good. It's a good quality. <laughs> All right. So what's your third pick? My third one, I was I think I, I lucked out because it's new enough that it hasn't already been covered on the show. Uh but is workflow. Uh um, yeah, that has not been mentioned yet. I was hoping someone would soon. And so uh, workflow dot is is the URL. And it's a freshly launched app for the App Store. And, you know, when it came out, the word on the street was, hurry up and get it before Apple pulls it from the App Store, which I don't think will happen. But it's basically, it's, Frank, I, the way I was thinking of describing it was it's like Automator on the Mac, but for iOS instead. But frankly, it's way better and more intuitive to use than Automator is. Um, but you can set up all these uh, programmatic kind of chains of actions um, and I think that I'm barely scratching the surface, frankly, of what it can do. But it's this just a beautifully made iOS app. There's a very vibrant community of people who are making different workflows that you can install. But so I have one that will delete all the screenshots on my phone. Somebody shared one that I grabbed where you can be on a YouTube video and you tap your workflow extension. And you can grip, rip an MP3 from that YouTube video. One that can tweet what you're listening to in Overcast and include uh, the show art in the tweet. One that makes anything you're looking at into a PDF. Uh, one of the built-in kind of tutorial activities, I think, is a way that you can automatically generate a text to somebody to tell them how far you are from home and how long it'll be till you're there. Nice. Really smart. Really yeah. nice chains of actions. And uh, like I said, I think I'm barely using it well at all. <laughs> but I just it's an app that you need to have so that when people publish really smart workflows, you can start using them. I think that's how a lot of people who love the idea of editorial end up feeling about editorial in that yeah. they just feel like they're never going to make full use of all its capabilities. I think that's a sign of a truly uh, – anytime you feel like you'll, you've never reached the maximum capacity of an app, I think that's a great thing. Maybe it's overwhelming for some people, but I have time set aside in my schedule uh, this week to play with 
uh, uh, workflow. And I've read uh, Vatici's entire review. So it looks like great fun. I just wish that there were a workflow that could make it easier for me to read Vatici's entire review. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always, I grab them, I convert them to Markdown, and I split them up, and I bookmark as I read. And it's a very nerdy way for me to piece my way through something with a lot of code samples. <laughs> yeah. I bet I could make a workflow for doing that. Oh, Vatici did. <laughs> he he set up a workflow using um, using my Heck Yes Markdown service. That's that awesome. You could actually adapt for that. Yeah. All right. Um, well, my third pick is an app on the iPhone called Peef, P-E-E-F. That's too many E sounds. But uh, Peef is a way to record all of the important information about your pets. So you can add a pet. You can put in their weight and their birthday or their adoption day, feeding instructions, sleeping, uh, health records, and then you can create a care sheet. So when you leave town, you can just hit a button and email all of the important data that like a house sitter or a pet sitter would need to know and uh, just send that straight from the app. And that for me is an extremely handy tool. And I don't know how many people have talked about this app yet, but for pet owners, it is, it's a good app that's currently in heavy development. So if you send feature requests to the developer, he will be very responsive. And I think, uh, I think he's doing a great job. That's really cool. I'm looking at it and it's, uh, it's, it's very new, right? It looks like it's about a week or so yeah. old. And so no reviews or anything yet, but it's, I remember uh, we're in the market for a dog. We don't have one now, but when we did and we had to use pet sitters, I remember I wrote this document called how to Charlie <laughs> and it had all the instructions. And so this is so much easier. <laughs> it is. It is. My wife ends up retyping the instruction sheets every time this would make yeah. it easy on both of us. All right. Um, so I, uh, I, I forgot to say it at the beginning of the show unless I edited it in and I didn't know it yet. But uh, we are working toward a 30-minute format for Systematic. Make it something that you can grab and, and listen to on a single train ride. Um, so that brings us to the end of the show. And um, you can be found Lex at uh, LexFriedman.com. That's right. And you have a blog at blog.LexFriedman.com. Also true. And you are Lex Fry, L-E-X-F-R-I on Twitter. Yes. And you have tons of podcasts that you can probably find <laughs> from that first link. Yes, I would think so. If you can't find them, then you probably shouldn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And uh, I'm Brett Terpstra. I'm T.T. Scoff on Twitter. And you can find out everything about me at brettterpstra.com. And that is episode 123. Thanks for being here, Lex. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. All right, and uh, watch the systematic feed later this week, or if you subscribe to all of the great shows at ESN, you can watch the master feed. We've gone back to the epic four-part interview with John Roderick and re-edited it together as one big, beautiful podcast equivalent of a book on tape. Uh, a lot of people travel this time of year. We thought it'd be cool to have something you could listen to in one big stretch while driving, flying, or otherwise waiting while pissed off to get from one place to the other. I bet you dollars and donuts that the origin story of John Roderick becoming a musician is ten times more interesting than some random airport book. All right, and uh, that is episode 123. Thanks for listening.